Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Flight, wait, this ain't even a flight. This is an out-of-home, in-house session. Let's go. You're listening to the out-of-home podcast. You're listening to the out-of-home podcast. Are you locked into the out-of-home podcast? You're listening to the out-of-home podcast. Featuring Kieran, Kwame, Yaf, and Stephen. You London boys are crazy. Yo, 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 what's happening, what's happening? Welcome to the Out of Home Podcast, a show brought to you by four Londoners living in Amsterdam, capturing and sharing stories of inspiring people whilst sharing our own. And over the next few weeks, we'll be catching up with some very dope people in our in-house sessions. And with me, I have my brothers, Yaf, Stephen, and Kwame. Cheers! Yeah, baby! Yep. What are you not saying, though? Go on, good, yeah? Very good. Bless. What's been popping off Life recently? Good, what's, been, what's, what's been popping? What's been popping off? Just been been myself. Just been learning new things the whole week, uh, which has been great. Um, Yaf gave me a, a digital tutorial on uh, Photoshop, so I was gas with that. Um, I did some video editing, like actually like professional video editing, so that was sick. Um, yeah, just learning new things. Was that was that for was that for work? The the professional. Editing. Yeah, it's for work, but they don't know it's for work. Covert oh. operations, isn't it? <laughs> oh, oh, you're just doing... You're just, you're, I see you, 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 I see you. <laughs> <laughs> what else have you lot been, what else you lot been on? Chilling, bud, man. Um, obviously, King's Day tomorrow, which is going to be quite an uh, anti-climax because obviously it's not going to be the amazing festival that it can be normally, but... I feel like the vibe over the like since Friday has just been in good. It's just been good in Amsterdam, man. Like I've been, you know, like out and about, getting some some shopping and bits like that, and it just feels nice. The energy just feels good this weekend over here. Mm-hmm. What about you, Quas? You been up to anything recently, um, bro? I went, for, I went for a little run yesterday. Uh, nothing like the five k that you man have been posting, but uh, yeah, I went for a little run and uh, that felt good, and it was also. A little bit cold and so the park was a little bit quiet. So, mm-hmm. so um, mm-hmm. um, definitely practicing. So, How far did you go, Quams? Uh, bro, I wasn't even trying to track them things. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was jogging. like, I'm old. I just make sure that I'm. Mm-hmm. You know, me and Stephen was talking about this. Yeah, when I was yeah. giving him the the Photoshop tutorial, he was just we were just talking about like, um, like all the runs and stuff that everyone's been doing. And we was kind of figuring out if we were to do this 100 meters, yeah, like who would actually win? <laughs> Stephen reckons I would come cool. Stephen, what was your prediction? That I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I said that Kwame would probably come last. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the other three places are up for grabs. I literally don't know how it would go. You know? I had a thought about. I don't know why I thought about that the other day, but I thought about it. I was like, Stephen's probably got like a quick 20. Yaf's probably got. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Now Stephen's already got a quick twenty. I feel like for the first twenty, like Stephen will probably have it, and then me and Yaf's longer legs would be just taking it over, and then we'll just see. And but Stephen might have an injection of pace, like sixty or something like that. I'll see, yeah, I'll see. Hey, do you know what's so funny? Yeah. Yeah. 
Kieran, you're 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 really inspired by Harry's breakdown, isn't it? Yeah, bro. First twenty, the injection of base. No, but <laughs> I had to listen back to that. I was like, yo, how would? Because I was, when he was talking through it, I was visualizing. It. I was like, okay, who would have it? Like, out of that, out of homeboys, who would have it? Who would have it? And I started to see. <laughs> now I started to see Stephen to the left of me. I was like, hmm, maybe Stephen might have me for a couple of like, first twenty, yeah. But then I thought, then I, but then I know myself in it. I know how I run. So I was like, I start kicking yeah. in at like forty. And because if the longer That'll the race, probably be me the longer well. the race, the faster I go in it up into a certain point. But mm. if I've got longer to go, then I'm going to start. I can hold on to that pace for a longer period of time. So I was like, okay, if I can get out to the top speed within 100, then I'll, I'll probably be there. I'll be <laughs> yeah. there and thereabouts, fam. Do you know it will be banter? Yeah. If I just lost this race. <laughs> <laughs> if, he was to, if he was to get those, those blue spikes, but in like a size 11. <laughs> oh, the Domios, bro. Oh, my God. The fucking dummies, bro. Do you know how many people have come back to me and started laughing about those fucking sprinting spikes, bro? Oh, for God's sake. Do you know do you know how many people have come to me and given me some correct information about the size of your air forces? But we're not gonna go there. Nah, we're bro. No, no, but they were size eleven, bro. They weren't any bigger than that, man. That is not what I heard, but Nah. This is what you see. You see the pagan you, and I know exactly who you're talking about. I ain't gonna shame him on my podcast, bro. Let him come up here and box him in his face, bro. Oh my days, man! Said the streets have been talking. Yo, little man, when you hear this, man, coming for you. Um. Anyways, bro, I just have to let me rein it back in, bro. Let me rein it back in. Hey, what made you not smile this week, man? Flip your neck. What made you guys smile? He's going first. Kieran, usually you, you, you direct, you say. Oh, oh, oh. What made you smile? I'm sorry, yeah. man. I'm sorry. You, what, you lot waiting for me to pass you what the ball? You... I mean, I don't... No, no, no. no, no basically, we were saying that, like, well, I think you have to say that you usually... Oh, no, I hear you. I, I, mean, I hear you. Sorry, sorry. So, if, so if, if you want, you can go first, or if you want, I, I can take it. Who, me? Yeah. Oh, um, what made me smile this week? Uh, <laughs> you always put me in the spot when you ask me this question. I usually go last. I always even go last because that's the the way I like it. But anyways, what made me smile this week? I guess um oh um getting back um the artwork for the music project that I have that was really cool. Like finally seeing um um finally seeing the idea come to life in in what will be like the cover for for the the project. Um, it's it's been like like two weeks to get to it but it's been a couple of iterations and that and um but yeah finally getting it to a point where i was like oh this is awesome and i can't wait to like share it with people um once it's fully ready and that yeah nice i don't though i guess only right i go after yeah man. um yeah for me but um it was a weirdness but i had my first ever digital 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 i guess celebration of, of, of my mom's of my mum's birthday. Um, she, oh, you know, nice. Like, oh, wow. in, uh, as you know, like, she, she's in Ghana and I was speaking to my brother and he was like, yo, like, he was like, yo, like, you know today's mum's birthday? I was like, bro, like, I didn't even know because like, I've still told you, man, before, like, to me, like, every every day is, it was like a giant Monday or a Sunday. Like, every day is just becoming <laughs> And then, so like, me, so, like, so like, me and my sister, my, my brother, we hopped on the WhatsApp call and after that, we uh, we we, uh, we 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 gave her a video call. She yeah. finally picked up, and um, we, we 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 were even able to persuade her to have um, a, a birthday drink. Uh, 
She was like, oh, uh, I don't know what to do. I was like, mum, should I drink and think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really nice. That was, that's sweet, man. Yeah, that was nice. That was nice. Uh, she, she turned, uh, she, she, she turned sixty-six. So, uh, wow. Jeff and them, man. And um, yeah, birthday, uh, it was nice. It was re- yeah, trust me, it was really nice. At the, at the same time, kind of sad because I know that. If, if things were normal, I'll be back home. But because yeah, my older yeah. brother's birthday is just weeks after. But you know, at, at least all smiling and healthy. So we have to give thanks for that. Always, man. Always. What about you, Yaf? So yeah. What about you, Yaf? Is he gone? I'm going to fix the light. I'm going to fix the light. <laughs> what about you, Stephen? Let me go to you. <laughs> Where's Yaf uh, gone? <laughs> Gonna fix the lights real quick. See Jeff. See Jeff. Oh, can you go hear me? You can now. Yeah, now can. Oh, I muted myself by accident. Hey, I was going for it, man. I was going. And then I hit it. I was like, oh, shit. Leave it in there. You gotta leave it in there. <laughs> it's the beard, you know. You know the beard's just getting too big. Like it's just pressing what? buttons. What? <laughs> oh my god. Who is this monster, bruv? Oh. <laughs> Steven, no, let's ask Steven. You have to wait, bruv. Steven, what made you smile this week, man? Uh, bare thing. So, first of all, um, shout out Diego Simeone. That's my first ever shout out. But um, she sent me some memes. Uh, she included them in her presentation, which I'm a big fan of. So, like, I'm always leaving memes in my presentations just for people to do. Uh, noticed and then uh, Jenny sent me the one that she did and absolutely loved it um, outside of that uh, yeah I did uh, complete another 5k it turns out that I'm not as slow as I thought I was so uh, that was cool it's encouraging I could still play for Nigeria I'm still still 18 <laughs> and, uh, still passport, um, and then yeah and then I uh, bring it back to real things like a uh, champ manager football manager sorry so um we had a troubling pre-season, a lot of injuries, but um, the boys made a solid start to the new season oh and God. really encouraging. New signings have bedded down and um, now I feel good about the direction we're going. Man so, said, um, back to real things. <laughs> <laughs> back to real things and started to talk about his virtual football team. <laughs> oh, Stephen, I love you, man. Hey, Yaf, are you still on mute? <laughs> Yo. Uh, yo. You know, I figured out what happened. <laughs> I was on a, I was on drive safe driving mode for some reason. Don't ask me why. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, mag. on your phone, on your phone. Um yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Sorry, I sorry, definitely sorry. haven't driven for for a long time, boy. I don't know what happened there. Um but what made me smile this week uh, was pretty simple. Um on Friday, I decided to take a hiatus from social media uh because I just felt like I've been spending too much time on it recently. Just been engulfed in it from the minute I wake up from until the minute I go to sleep. And do you know what's so funny? So I said to myself, like, tomorrow, this is Thursday night, I said, tomorrow I'm not going to use social media whatsoever. Bruv, like, just out of habit, the first thing I did when I woke up, I pressed Instagram and I was like, oh, shit, 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 I must be using Just closed it straight away. That's and so bad. it just it just showed me. But um, it's just kind of, you know, embedded in your in your like normal routine now to just open Instagram without even thinking why you're doing it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I took a break from that um, and just tried to have a bit more of a chilled um, Friday. And I think I'm just going to do that. Like at least one day every week, 
try not to use Instagram because you just focus a lot more, you get a lot more done. Mm. Um, and also it's quite a good test. Like there's bare times during the day where you just, you just feel so compelled to just open the app. But yeah, um, yeah. it was a nice, it was a nice lesson of restraint for me. So what yeah, did, I mean, it, pretty, pretty. What did it allow you to do? Did it, was it just like, you took time out from it or did you have time freed up to do anything else? Or was it just like, oh, let me just take a break? Well, it's interesting because I was, not to get too scientific, but I was watching a video today around dopamine and um, the amount of, well, the levels of dopamine that people get, obviously, when going on social media or whatever. And um, yeah, I just feel as though once, when you do, well, to give a bit of a, a context, dopamine is obviously a chemical that gives you good, a feel-good factor, and that that chemical is released when you engage with social media. Yeah. Um. And I just, I just feel as though if social media is always sort of like your outlet to have a positive feeling or to have a, like a, a feel-good factor, then you're kind of missing out on everything else around you, right? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. For me, it was more just to kind of take a step back and relax, do things a bit differently. Um. Yeah. Just cook. Focus. Just focus on like normal quote-unquote boring stuff nice, and you guys have probably had this as well where you've cleaned the yard and you just feel satisfied or you've cooked a nice meal you've chilled you've ate it you've had a nice drink and you just feel good like mm-hmm. i feel as though those those sort of feelings are enhanced or you know heightened once you've got the just like a clear mind and you're not always thinking about ig yeah 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 nice i like you it know? i like it i feel like everyone should take a day day off from social or just have a day to themselves especially like right now as well because you got so much like time where you can appreciate the things around you and i think because you're so you're stuck in your um your own spaces a lot it is it's it's very easy to just forget like the smaller things around you so like for me for me like in a day um in a day nothing seems to change in it so it gives you time to look at like outside or like the smaller things in your yard that like you would never mm. really pay attention to, but it allows you to like stay present in that moment sort of thing. So like, I think that's what like this time yeah, has allowed 100%. you to do as well, like just stay present. Um, but yeah, that's sick, man. That's sick that you did that. Um, Kwame, yeah. do you mind introducing our guest? Yo, man. Tell, tell us who we got in the building today, my bro. Uh, today, ladies and gentlemen, I'm very excited to introduce and announce our first ever transit and Atlantic guest hailing all the way from Manhattan, Harlem. Jeez. This is Kwasi Kwesi. Kwasi Kwesi is inspirational man for many reasons. He he is a he is an active a marathon runner. He is an he is an uh, he is an active uh, he's active in his Harlem community. And so some of you might see him he looks for drip because he is actually ASAP Ferg's go-to stylist. What, what? Um, a man of many talents. He is Ghanaian American and he reps Harlem to the fullest. We're very excited, our home, to introduce Kwasi Kwesi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, 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 yo. Hey, bro. Beard gang, beard gang. What's happening? Yo. What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? No, we're good, man. We're good. We're good. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I actually love Amsterdam. Um, it's I've been there twice, and like just from the food to the culture to the the vibes, like the ladies, it's, it's fine. <laughs> you guys are lucky to be out there, 
very lucky. No, no we feel we feel lucky, man. We're blessed to be out here. There's like a there's a vibe that's in the city that just gives you like time, space, but also like an ease and ease in life that makes you feel like you can just like do your own thing, sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? I think the guys could agree. Yeah, let me quickly show you like, what's going on right now. People do not care about, about isolation right now. I don't know if you can see. Are they outside? People outside, Everyone bro. Outside. <laughs> that's just like New York, though. Like, I, I ran past Central Park yesterday, and um, that's like our most popular park in New York, the biggest park. And outside, no masks, no nothing. Wow. I feel like the more I talk to people, the more I feel like people are just... The nicer it gets outside, the more people are just going to do what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's hard to stop people when the sun comes out, man. Yeah, man. It's tough, it's tough, it's tough. But listen, though, okay, um, Quest. Wait, wait, what should we call you? Questy? 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 Quest. Uh, so, so, so this is the science. So um, my father is an in. I'm born and raised in Ghana. He came to New York, met my mom in Harlem, in uh, the building that I grew up in. Yeah. So... They had me. Um, he passed when I was, I was, I just turned four. He okay. passed um, right after. That. So I wasn't raised with the Ghanaian influence. So my mother raised me. She's an African American. Um, so my mother, my father told my mother. She was like, no, my father told my mother. He was like, his name is Quissy, and my mother was like, she's an African American. She's like Quasi. So I was raised Quasi, but when I meet. People of African descent or that know the name, the meaning, the meaning, et cetera, they're always like crazy. So I respond to both, but I was raised quasi, if quasi. that makes sense. Okay, but what, yeah. do you, what do you prefer? Let's set the record straight right quasi. here. I yeah, I prefer quasi just because that's how I was raised. But when I go okay. to Ghana and my people, they like crazy. And I'm like, I respond to both, though, but I, I prefer quasi. Yeah. I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. Well, before we get into like your story and where you're from and who you are, on the show, we always do this one thing um, and we go around the room and we, we say what made you smile this week. We've already done ours, but we want to know what made you smile this week, my bro. Yeah, I love that question because um, I've actually never been asked that question and I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to say what made me smile this week, I, I spoke to my sister. Um, her name is Meriamo. She, um, she, um, she's in North Carolina with my mother. Um, so I spoke to her. They're doing well, so that made me smile because I don't speak to her often because she's deep in um, a quest for knowledge and search for uh, meaning, et cetera, et cetera. So I suppose that that made me smile. Speaking to my older sister made me smile. That's dope, sure. man. And that, That's a great question. That's a great lead question. <laughs> you, you you said that she's on a, a quest for deeper. Oh, is someone on, on speaker? I just heard uh, feedback real quick. Who is that? Okay, cool. I said you're saying that... um. You're on a quest. You say that she's on a quest for deeper meaning. You said, like, what in terms yeah. of what? How how is she how is she doing that? So my sister's the smartest person I ever met. Literally, um, I'll just give one scenario. Like I was in Black Studies school, Black Studies class in college, and um, African American studies. And my professor was teaching us about how to learn. He was like, you draw a triangle and you um, upside down triangle, and you have your um, antithesis, your um, your thesis and then you can create your own conclusion. So mm-hmm. pretty much you take you take information that you've learned, you yeah. take the opposing side and come up with your own information, which is your truth. Yeah. So I came home from college one day like, yo, this is what I learned, this is how we need to be learning. And my sister showed me numerous books of her with upside down triangles, like I've been <laughs> doing this. And I was just like, crazy. She, she's she's super, super smart. She's a smart one out of both of us. Um so like she she's on a quest for knowledge, meaning like 
she's doing her own research as a part of what has already been taught to her. Mm-hmm. Like she references book to me, like she references book called The Kaibalon. Um, and she was like, you gotta read it, you gotta read it. And then when I read it, it was exactly what I was looking for um, at the time because I'm like on this quest for like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Bruce Leroy's, um, I mean, Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon where Bruce Leroy, he got like the glow. I'm on a quest for like this alignment of mind, body, and spirit. So- and that's what the book literally talks about. It's like, your mind, body, and spirit aligning and you living in your ultimate purpose. Um, but she's like, literally like the smartest person I've ever met in my life. <laughs> and um, she's continuing to like learn and learn. And when people are learning, it's hard to like get in edgewise, like just to talk to them on some like, how you doing type stuff. But <laughs> she's super dope. One of my, um, one of the people that actually got me into fashion, everything. So yeah, she, I really appreciate her. That's super, dope, super, man. That's super, dope. That's dope. Crazy. Before we come into your story, um, I'm gonna lower the tone a little bit and then ask you. Uh, we want to know. Uh, hopefully, Kwame's prepared you a little bit, but the way I'm looking at him, I'm not quite sure if he's done done the work. But I'm gonna <laughs> ask you anyway. Uh, we want to know like two things about you that most people wouldn't know. Yeah, I love that question as well. Um, one thing about me that most people don't know is that I used to play hockey. I played hockey for five years. Um, which is like for African-American or just people of color period to play hockey is very rare. Um, I was a part of this organization called Ice Hockey in Harlem where like the NHL would come into inner cities and teach hockey to um, people that necessarily wouldn't have the opportunity. Mm. Um, It's a super expensive sport. So they came in um, and taught us hockey and it was like one of the best experiences of my life. Um, I still like look back at those times and all the training that we did. The traveling we did, like we went to Canada for hockey camps. I would be like the only black kid there. It was just like an amazing time. Like we had, we had. Um, That's crazy. We would have, uh, yeah, we would have dinners with like hockey players, like back in the days, like Mark Messier from the Rangers, Brian Leach, all of these. Like it was just amazing. So that was something that um, people don't know about me, and that's pretty rare. And also, um, I like to say that people don't know that I really, 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 really like to cook, like a lot. Um, <laughs> They got the cook. Yeah, man. Like, yeah. Even like during this time, I'm cooking crazy. Um, but I, I really enjoy cooking. I've been cooking since I was um, seven years old. I remember I made Thanksgiving dinner um, when I was seven. Like the whole thing, literally. Yeah, yeah. All my mother back in the days. Back in the days, you had to like light the pilot light on like the stove. It wasn't like automatic, so she did that, and I made the the turkey and all the stuff and macaroni and cheese. So. Ever since then, I really, really enjoy cooking. Um, I just got to work on my plating, but I'm a, I'm a, I got like the chef's jacket my mom bought me. So like, that's two things. I played hockey and um, I really, really, really love to cook. For sure. How old were you when you played, you played hockey? Sorry, sorry. Yeah. How old were you when you played, when you played hockey? This was junior high to high school. Um, so this was like, probably like 12 to 17. And I was I was so good that I, I got on like the, the Harlem, I used to get Harlem traveling team. So we would play teams from upstate. And then it was, I was that good where they were like talking about scholarships, but I was just so young. And wow. I was just like, after a while, it wasn't fun to me. Like mm. at first it was so fun, so new. Then I was like, this isn't fun for me anymore. And I just stopped playing. But I wish I would have pursued it because like Cornell was looking at me. It was, it was crazy, but, but that, that I was, have... we were really... That that must have like from that period from like um do you say fifteen fifteen to seventeen yeah 
But between well, 12, 12, to 12 to 17, that period of like you having to travel as well must have done so much for you as a young person to get to know different parts of America, not even just like your 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 state sort of thing. Absolutely, it was it was amazing going to Canada because it's a part of North America. But like when you're from the United States, you don't go to Canada. Like mm. you just don't go. For some reason, people in my community don't. So just to have that opportunity and to be around people. Um, like that didn't look like me and didn't think like me it was so cool because like, I would talk to the parents and the kids were like so much better than like myself because the parents would tell me that they while the kid is learning to walk they're learning to skate and I was just like wow, wow. like that's, that's <laughs> different so um, yeah it was it was a, it's a it was an amazing opportunity just to be outside of like Harlem and New York and be on the other I was in uh, Calgary so that's the west west yeah, Canada yeah, yeah, like yeah, above yeah, yeah so. It was really, really dope. Just to get that experience to get on a plane and go somewhere far it was Sick, super, man. super cool. Sick, man. Sorry, Yaffa. You were going to ask a question. You must... okay. No, I think Yaffa's okay, going to ask a question. I'm going to play. Oh, okay. <laughs> Either, bro. I, um, yeah, Kwasa, I was just interested to know you've been talking about food a lot. Like, that's obviously something that everyone's kind of focusing on now that we're all locked up. Okay. They're like we're in jail, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> have all you been cooking? What are some of your main dishes? And is it plantain or plantain? Oh, oh no. Oh, <laughs> you really good it today. Uh, all right, so I would have to say, oh, man. Oh, God. You're representing the whole of the say, United States as well. Just to let I you know. know. Just to let you know. <laughs> I would have to say that because I'm, I'm in Harlem. I went to school in East Harlem, which is mostly, um, it's a mixture of black and Spanish, Hispanic. So I would say that it's plantain, no. Okay. Whoa! <laughs> I, did, no. I did a little Black flip. Up, hey, you just messed the whole thing up. <laughs> yeah. I did a new thing into the mix, bro. Yeah, plant a no. Plant a no. because the the Hispanic people from New York is like we got Puerto Ricans, we have Dominicans, and people from all over like Latin America. They say plant a no. They don't ah. say plantain. Plantain. They say plantain. no. So. I'm, I'm on my Spanish swag right now. I'm trying to learn Spanish. Oh, I don't blame you. Get out of I don't blame you, bro. <laughs> don't blame me. <laughs> no, that's a that's a, add another one to it. Um, but yeah, I've been I'm pescatarian at the moment. Um, I want to go into being um, vegetarian, hopefully vegan one day. But I've been pescatarian for like over eight years. Um, I've been cooking a lot of um, I do the mahi mahi. I like scallops. Um, but I've been I've been cooking a lot, doing a lot of salads. I like I, I create this um this Seymour shake that has a whole tons of benefits for immunity and for your gut health. Um, this was before the whole COVID situation, so a lot of a lot of salads. Um, on the weekends I do carbs, so I do like pasta and rice. I I love pizza, so I'll take a day and I'll have like some pizza. Um, but yeah, I've been doing a lot of a lot of fish, a lot of salads. Nice. Um. And even soups too. I do like a fish soup that goes crazy. But yeah. Man said that goes crazy. Hey, the New York lingo is too lit, you know. Oh, <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, I'm I'm a pescatarian as well, so I'm like okay. all over the fish. Um I didn't I haven't mentioned this, but basically on Friday I've been I've been eating really healthy, but on Friday I said, Fuck it, let me just treat myself to a little pizza, man. Yeah, go I'm going through the little love, man. Yeah, but I was going through the the, the, the options. I said let me try a vegan pizza, you know? Like, how bad can it be? Yeah. Mandem, 
Never order vegan pizza. It is dreadful. No, <laughs> yeah. Don't say that, bro. No, no, no. Terrible. To your point, I was I cooked a vegan pizza, right? So I had, I ordered like a Whole Foods um, order of, um, I think it was like a cauliflower crust. I did um, like rail sauce. Rail sauce is all in like just bare minimum ingredients, but it's great. And then I had like the, the vegan cheese. The vegan cheese is so like, it's like disgusting. Yeah, it's like buttery. Man, oh. like, yeah, I, I would never, I would never do that again, man. Or me, bro. yeah, yeah, it, it was, it wasn't a vibe. So my, so <laughs> I had that, and then, and then my my shorty had the real. She made a real pizza, like with the real, with the real dough, with the real cheese. I just ate all of hers. So I was like, I threw the, I threw the vegan pizza away. <laughs> vegan pizza is trash. No yeah. offense. Not a vibe. If you're gonna do it, you guys just do it. Fuck it. Trust me, bro. Lesson learned on Friday. For sure. Steven. Steven. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, my bro. Yeah, sorry. Um, before we move on to the next point, I was just going to ask. Um, so it seems like from a young age, you're like going out of your comfort zone, which is like super relevant to all of us. Because once I heard like, ice skating, the Nigerian in me was saying like, as soon as ice is involved, it ain't happening. So like, how did you... How did you come from that in terms of that direction I want to head down? Oh, word. Um, so since a young age, I just I just went with, like, the opportunities. So, like, when opportunities were awarded to me, I was just like, all right. I, was, I used to be scared, though. Like, I don't want to go to Canada. Canada play, play. I don't – they're going to be better than me. But once I got there, I, I was just – it was just like everybody was normal. Everybody was cool. So – when, as, at a young age, I would just always go with the flow. Like, this is the opportunity. I may be scared. I'll ask people about it, but I'll just go and I'll just try it. Um, which is a great point because, like, even now, I'd be super scared of opportunities, but I'm just like, what's the worst that could happen? You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. and and I do so much. Um, I'm really into, like, transformational, motivational speakers, and they always talk about being outside your comfort zone. So, like, for a while, I was waking up at 5 a.m. running just to be outside of my comfort zone, get stuff done. I was taking cold showers. Like, even before this interview, I I, ran, I took a hot shower and I did a cold shower. And it's supposed to literally just bring you outside your comfort zone on a consistent basis. And they say that it's really good for your body to always be outside of your comfort zone. Because as humans, we, we want to be we want to be chill. We want to be cozy. Yeah. So, like... It's super important for like your brain and your body to always be outside your comfort zone. So to do things that's that's not normal for you or like is stretching you as a person is that's where the growth happens. That's where you become like elite, and that's like what I'm what I'm what I'm working on. Facts, man. That's dope. I think it's something that we can all attest to in terms of like our journey as well. It's just something I really wanted to reiterate to everybody listening because it's really important part of our development, like you said. So we're gonna get into like the fun part and the part that I'm looking forward to most. I'm gonna hand it over you to you to tell us basically like your story. Um, how did you? Where did you grow up? How did you start? And then where are you now? Because a lot of our viewers may not know what you're doing now, and we've been careful not to give that away. So we're gonna hand you this mic now, so you can take us through that. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. Um, and like you, all of our viewers. Oh, for sure. Shout out to you guys, man. You guys, that, the story of you guys coming from London to Amsterdam is super uncomfortable to me. Like, I, I, <laughs> yeah, man, like, kudos to you guys. That's amazing. Um, 
like I said, like I'm I'm from Harlem. I lived in Harlem. I went to school in Harlem. I went to college in Harlem. Um, I'm the Harlem Adidas captain. So like you guys, that's elite in my mind to <laughs> to move somewhere else, like start over is super dope. So that's amazing. Um, but my story starts again in Harlem. Um, um, you know, you heard my story. My my mom and my father. Um, they met in Harlem in the building that I grew up in. Um, Harlem really shaped me because it made me really be into fashion. Um, my mother, my sister in Harlem is like what got me into fashion. Um, my mother was always one that was big on like dressing. So like her sisters and her brothers would be like, why are you taking them to like, at the time she would take a shopping at Lord and Taylor, which was like a fancy department store. And her sister and her brother was like, why are you doing that? She was like, these are my kids. So she always like projected um, her fashion sense on us. And I, I really appreciated that. So I was really into clothes. Um, but what really happened is when I was younger, I used to go to church and I thought I would be all dressed up, you know, church, you had to get dressed up. And I thought that the, the women always like thought I was really handsome and cute. So I thought it was the clothes that made me handsome and cute. So I was <laughs> like, I'm going to dress up all the time. So I would literally dress up and wear like suits and stuff to pre-K, kindergarten. Like that was my thing because I thought that's what was, that's what the people liked about me. Um, so that was like the beginning, the early stage. And then... Um, Wait, so what church did you go to? Uh, it was called North, North Presbyterian Church. It's on um, 155th Street at home. Um, it, Presbyterian churches are really like, they're really dry. So it wasn't like one of those Baptist churches with the energy okay. and stuff. It was like, yeah. but um, but there was a lot of women there. I thought that they just liked my my clothes. So I was like, I, mean, I gotta dress like this all the time. Just being <laughs> a young person there. So um, when I got into elementary school, again, my mom's always made sure that we had everything. Like she was one of those moms that bought the whole neighborhood sneakers. Like, oh, we going sneaker shopping? And some she saw a kid with some old sneakers. She was like, come with us. So. I always had all the latest sneakers, et cetera, et cetera. And then that followed me from um, from elementary to junior high to high school. So, and then my sister came in the picture because she was always like, yo, you always got to look different. You always got to stand out. Like, I don't want you looking like everybody else. And then um, that was a Harlem thing too. Like, you want to you wanna be super, super fly, super jiggy, but you don't want to look like, like a robot. You don't want to look like you don't got no, no style. Like, you want to stand out. You want people to respect it, but then again, you don't want to look too crazy. So it was like a, a balance. Um, so then I got into high school. But once I, once I, what I learned was I was really into sneakers. Like being from New York, this is like to me the sneaker capital of the world because we don't have an option of cars. I mean, we have an option of cars, but nobody drives cars out here. Being a young person, um, it's like you're walking everywhere, you're getting on a train. And, like, your sneakers is, like, your form of transportation. Like, it starts there. Like, you start from the ground up. So I was really into sneakers um, throughout elementary, junior high, high school. And my mother, she catered to it because she was always, like, buying me sneakers. And I, I, would, I remember my mother telling me, like, I never noticed that you would lie to me and tell me that your sneakers was too small that I would buy, <laughs> buy you sneakers. <laughs> so I was like, Ma, these don't fit. And she was like, we got to go to sneakers. So, so I, would, I would have tons of sneakers in rotation. Um, and then I got into high school and that was like a thing, like going to school in Harlem and like, it was like sneakers. This is like when the phone posits were out, this is when like flight posits were popping, Jordans were popping. It was like a thing. It was, sneakers was like life. Um, and I was like one of those dudes in, in the high school. So then we got into college, me and my boy, Steve, Stephen Brown, Stephen Othello, 
um, we went to our high school. We met in high school, and then we went to college together. And we were in our dorm room. I went to LIU for like a semester, but it was too expensive, private school. Um, and then while in our dorm room, we started a sneaker magazine called Laced. Um, it was super amazing because we just wanted to take our love of sneakers and make it into something that was like tangible, something real, something that expressed how we felt. And at the time, the only thing, only people that was doing like magazines was Complex. And it didn't have our, I feel like it, it didn't talk to us specifically. Yeah. It was just more of something like for the culture. And we wanted something from our perspective. So we got a ton of creatives together, um, all people of color, black, brown, et cetera. And we put together a magazine. So during this time, um, I have a sneaker magazine. I'm, I'm in the dorms at LIU. Um, I, I meet, I'm, I'm working at Foot Locker as well. So my love of sneakers got me to Foot Locker. Um, I meet Diddy's stylist, Mike B. Shout out to Mike B, one of my mentors. And I, the, re- the way I meet Mike B is I'm at the cash register. He comes up and he has on these Coach Leather LeBron Air Force Ones. And I was just like, he had them like literally four months before they came out. So the Air Force Ones I had is um, the LeBron uh, high school colors. The green and the, um, it was like a brown. Or- yeah, the St. Vincent, St. Mary's ones. Yes, yes. So he had those oh. on early and I was like, my sneaker knowledge went crazy. I'm like, yo, who is this dude? <laughs> Probably like, he got to be somebody. So I'm talking to him. He's like, I'm like, yo, what you do? He's like, yeah, I'm a Diddy stylist. And at the time, I was like, Diddy was like one of my idols. I'm just like, yo, this is amazing. So we talking sneakers. And at the time, um, Diddy had just ran the Olympic torch. Um, so I, I I was like, yo, he needs to get the the Air Max 95. I believe they were the Air Max 95 or the Rainbow. They were like the Grease Air Max 95 or something like that. So he was like, damn, he don't got those. He need those. So I left work. My, my The cashier manager, Maria, was like, you can leave because she knew what it was. She knew who he was. Yeah, and yeah, she was yeah, like, yeah. So I left work. I get I get Puffs. He's a size 10. I get him the Air Max 95s from clientele, one of the sneaker shops in New York. He's like, all right, bet. Damn, he's like, yo, I need a size 13. But he was going to Miami and they didn't have a 13. I was like, yo, when you get back from Miami, I got you the 13. Because I was... Heavy in yeah, the sneakers, yeah, yeah, like I was yeah, gonna yeah. make it happen. He got back from Miami, got him the sneakers, and then he was he tried to give me a fifty dollar tip, and I was like, I don't want no tip. I want to be an intern, mm-hmm. assistant, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, so he, sick mm-hmm. yeah, man. So he, like he tried to tip me. I'm like, nah, I don't want that. So he um for a month, I'm trying to get in contact with him to get like to get on. I'm like, yo, I want to work with public sneakers, fashion. So he was dubbing me for a month. Um. I go into the barbershop in Harlem. Um, one of my OGs, Mo, he was Phil Robinson's um, assistant. And Phil Robinson was Diddy's manager at the time. So he was like, yo, who, what you trying to do? He was like, yo, you trying to get with Mike B? That's my son. So he calls Mike B. Next day, Mike B's like, yo, come into the office. From then on, I was Mike B's intern, turned assistant. So I'm in the office. My duties was like prep photo shoots. So we, they had like Loon, 112, all these people. So I was, and my other duty was actually being at Puff's house. He had a house in New York City on Park Ave, one of the richest avenues in the world. And he he would be there and I would have to like um, organize all of his closets. He had like a fur closet. He had a sneaker room. He, it was, every room was, instead of having like a, instead of having like a apartment that had like beds and stuff on it, it was like actual clothing. So it was crazy. <laughs> so I would organize that stuff. I would pack him up from there like, it was crazy. It was one of the most amazing moments in my life. Work on videos, super dope. 
So this is how I got into sneakers, fashion, um, and then becoming a wardrobe stylist. So Mike B, eventually we go to BET um, Networks. He leaves Bad Boy, and we go to BET Networks. And then I'm working on that 106 in Park. I'm doing all of the shows, working on all the shows as an assistant to Mike B. Um, so eventually Mike B leaves, and I'm the head of men's fashion for BET. So I'm working with, like, Terrence J., um, as a, and then it turned into like Bow Wow, et cetera, et cetera. But we were working on all these shows. Like, it'll be like five shows at one time, BT Awards, doing all the hosts. It was crazy, all the men. So um, that's how I got into becoming an actual lead stylist. So um, I hope this is like, making sense. Yeah, no, no, lot, no. Keep, but, keep talking, man. Keep talking. Yeah. This, this is, yeah, this is my journey into like, so it went from sneakers, creating a sneaker magazine, um, going into fashion, styling. And now I'm at BET, and it's just like, during that time, working with Mike B, we started working with, like, one of his clients was Chris Brown. He had Ludacris. Um, it was crazy. I was working with other stylists as well, Rachel Johnson, Crystal Streets. They had um, Jamie Foxx. They had T.I. It was wild. It was wild. So I'm getting all of my footing into the styling world, um, just learning different techniques from different stylists, from um, the people that I'm working with as an assistant. And then once I became the lead stylist at um, BET, I was able to take all of that and come up with my own, like, my, become my own stylist. Meaning, like, I took all of that stuff and now I'm able to do it my way. So mm. my way was, like, I'm going to make anything happen. Um, I got stories of making making stuff happen out of nothing. Like, Bow Wow called me. He was he had to be in a Diddy Diddy and uh, Meek Mill were shooting a video in Harlem. He was like, yo, I need a fur. This was 4 a.m. in the morning, literally. He called me at 4 a.m. They're shooting in Harlem. Yo, I need a fur. And I'm like, I got you. Now, me, meanwhile, I'm in my bed. I'm like, yo, how am I going to make this happen? Yo, yeah. I come around to my boys. They're like, one of my boys, um, Belcher, is like, that's like my brother. He's like, yo, I know my boy. He has a fur, and he's like, bow wow size. Because at the time, the furrier that we usually go to, he had lent all of his furs to Diddy and Meek and everybody. Yeah. So I get the fur, I get the bow out, he gets in the video. So it's just like, that was my mentality. Like, nothing is going to stop me. I'm going to make anything happen by any means because that was like my superpower as a stylist. Everybody has like a superpower as a stylist. They may be like really big on accessories or they may be like the custom, they may create custom amazingness. But my superpower was like, if someone asks me for something, I'm going to make it happen by mm. any means. That was my thing. And it's super fantastic. Your your mentality is your superpower because I I think so far from what you said, the moment where I was just like, wow, was the moment where you refused like the $50. So it's just like, you know, what what was in your head at that moment? Because like, that's amazing foresight, ambition. Like you were looking at a bigger picture and it's really uncommon for someone so young. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. 
for full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. To already be seeing like the bigger picture. So I think for me, that was like the moment I was like, wow. Yeah, it was just like, I knew that there was more opportunity than like money. You know what I mean? Like I, I knew that there was just like, there was more there. And I was just like, man, $50 is cool for right now, mm. but like, I want more. I want in. I need access. I want to be a part of what's, you know what I mean? Bad boy. I want to be a part of that energy, you know? Of course, of so, course. Yeah. But, yeah. E- but even but even that, like, I, I, would, I know that Stephen picked up on that, but even like the fact that you you had the sneaker knowledge to notice that that was the person that you needed to talk to. Because for me, that's like showing that you had such a passion in something that was just just so long ago that you knew, like, right, that this guy must be so important that I need to go and talk to him. Do you know what I mean? And and for me, that's that's even as important as just not taking a 50 as well. Because without that knowledge, you don't even go out to that guy. You don't have the opportunity. Do you know what I'm saying? I think that's, that's mad. That's mad. And I'm, I'm sure that a lot of us can attest to moments like that where you've been like, right, like, I know I need to go talk to that person because that person might open doors for me. And to have the mentality that you're just all, not even that you're always going to get something, but it's almost like a, a, a never say die attitude as well. You know what I mean? Because if you're looking at all of the the, 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 the positions and the moments that you've had in your life, it's almost like you've just been like, I'm just going to take it. You know what I mean? And and that's, that's it's almost, it's fearlessness. It's, it's crazy. It's nice, man. It's, it's sick. It's so sick. That's so true. I was just like, when I saw him, I was like, how does he, how is this possible? You know what I mean? Because, like, back then, to get sneakers early, it's not like now where, like, it was just different in my mind it was. I was just like, he, he literally had them on four months earlier and they came out. I'm like, what the? That was crazy. <laughs> like, really crazy. I was like, wow. But, yeah. At that point, Cross, did you know that you wanted to be a stylist? Because you, you speak about, you know, starting this magazine for the culture working in Foot Locker. First of all, how old was you around that, this time? And like, did you did you always have the ambition to be a stylist or did it kind of just happen organically? Um, around this time, I think I was like, uh, I was like in my early 20s, like 20, 21, 22. Um, but no, I didn't, I didn't even know that a stylist existed. I didn't even know that was a thing. Like I didn't know people... I didn't know people that paid to dress people. Like, I didn't know that was a, an occupation or, but once I realized that, I was just like, wow. And then they got paid very, very, very well. Especially during the time <laughs> when video budgets were like crazy, like Hype Williams era. This was a little bit after the Hype Williams era. But like, they got paid really, really, the opportunities were crazy, traveling. But yeah, I didn't know that that was a thing. I was just going like off of, like, what I what I saw the opportunity to be like I didn't know there was a thing but I knew that there was something there you know yeah for sure that's so there's so many um it kind of like we spoke about at the beginning right like not everyone has to be an artist or an athlete like there's so many different roles within the surrounding um industries that no like people don't really know about so I think it's so sick that you had the opportunity to sort of like consolidate all of your passions into one role that you didn't even know existed, but yeah. it all kind of like organically lives. 
No, I never, I never looked at it like that, but that's super true. Because like even to this day, I'm, I'm, you know, celebrity stylist, but I still put everything into one role. Like somebody called me like, yo, what's the, what's the hottest footwear? I'm always able to like run it off real quick, and that's super, super true. It's like all, all the powers combined, and mm. it's just like you need to be. Yeah. That's true, man. Yeah, so sick. So talk, talk about, talk about styling, man. Like. And obviously you spoke about how you got into it, but can you talk about some of the people that you have styled just for the people that like, are listening today um, and, and what that experience is like working with those people as well? Absolutely. Um, so it's crazy because my most recent um, people that I've worked with, um, my brother ASAP Ferg, he's my my top client. But it's crazy now, I actually work in esports, So... Last year, I did the Fortnite um, finale, and it was like, it's it's so crazy because I, I style the video host. So not the actual players, but the host. And it's, <laughs> it gives so much opportunity in esports that people don't even know that the actual host that hosts the show, like, you know, like, say a Stephen A. Smith of esports, they get styled. And it's like... Again, there's so much opportunity behind the scenes that people don't understand, but yeah. I, I work with ASAP. Um, I worked with, again, um, Chris Brown. I've worked with Terrence J, Bow Wow 106 in Park, um, Mike Epps. Um, if, if they were a popular male celebrity, I've probably worked with them. Aside from Obama, which is like one of my dream dream goals. Dream. Even post-presidency, yeah, that would be like one of my dreams. But um, It'll come true, bro. Thank you, thank you, man. <laughs> what did you make of... Um, the Travis Scott uh, thing that he did on Fortnite, and then kind of like um, like what that did for like uh, culture, obviously is close to your your doorstep. What, did, what was your reaction to that? I thought it was I thought it was actually brilliant because like he did the concert. Every everybody that I had that I know that has kids was tuned in, and they were tuned in with their kids. And then he dropped um, the song The Scots the next day. And it had, I think it had, it broke the record for streams in one day. So, like, for him to have the foresight to do that, especially during this time of quarantine where people, you got to, you you locked in if you into that world, yeah. even if you're not uh, by association. I thought it was brilliant. Like, he's definitely pioneering something that maybe the future may look like because of what's going on. So I thought it was just like he—he he was ahead of his time for him to have that force and opportunity and make it happen and make it dope was really really cool, really dope. And then um, obviously as a, as a stylist, I think not that the world is like a superficial one based off looks, but like really the the power that you guys have in terms of um, impacting culture in a way. I think of like Missy Elliott and then some of that the looks that she's put together. Yes, she had the talent, but like when you layer that in with the styling and then the look and the visual, it really just leaves an imprint into the mind. But could you talk to us like what the power of like unleashing um, the right style is and maybe one or two things that you're most proud of that you've done? Absolutely. Um, so to me, I feel like styling is a part of the, the, the narrative and the story of a song or a movie or whatever it is. It lends itself to creating the full picture. So like if you're watching a, move, a music video and the styling is like perfection, it creates more of a of a story within 
the video. Um, meaning, like, like one of my, my icons in terms of wardrobe is Ruth Carter. She did School Days. She did Black Panther. And imagine if, imagine if Black Panther's styling was, like, off. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe it was, wasn't progressive, or maybe if it wasn't, you know what I mean? Because she did so much research. She did so much knowledge, and she wanted to make things, you know, true to what they were, but make it a little bit more futuristic. But it's just like, it, it creates the perfect story when the styling and the music and the direction and everything is, you know, beautifully so matched. It's mm. um, one, of my, one of my favorite moments in styling probably would have to be, um, I did ASAP first for the Met Gala. And that's, yo, yeah. that's one of the wildest stories ever in the history of my life. Like, this is like some Mission Impossible, like... Tom Cruise, crazy shit. So Berg was, he was somewhere. And we were going over ideas. Because, um, you know, he's the hood pope. He's the um, trap lord. It's a lot of, like, energy in terms of, like, um, religion, Catholicism, et cetera. And the theme at the time was, um, I forgot what it was, but it was around religion. And we took it, I, I saw it as an opportunity to really exaggerate that because he's already in that lane. He mm. just needs to manifest it in terms of like costume. So I came up with this storyboard, showed it to him. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And then he's like, yo, I don't want to. And then as a, a, he's like, I don't want to do, I don't want to go too costumey. And I was like, I, I feel him. He was like, yo, I just want to be handsome, iconic black man. I want to be able to look back at this and be like, show my kids this and be like, this is you know, just handsome, like, imagine Tyson Beckford energy. So I'm like, all right, cool. So either way at the time, I get with Dapper Dan, and I, I'm coming up with swatches, et cetera, trying to do a suit. So Dapper Dan is commissioned to do the suit. Um, you know, Dapper Dan's with Gucci. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's like a weekend. The, the Met Gala was like that Monday or something crazy. So Dap, Dap, we get, we get Dap to do the suit. He does the suit over the weekend. I'm getting like shoes, et cetera. It was like a cream suit. Um, and literally, Bird comes in the day of the Met Gala. He tries the suit on. He does a fitting the day of. He does a second fitting. The second fitting is when he's actually getting dressed to go to the Met Gala. This is unprecedented. Like, usually people get, you people, wow. once they find out that. They know that they're going to the Met Gala. Stuff is getting done. It's it's happening. So for it to happen within like a span of 72 hours was just like, for me, being a stylist, it was nerve-wracking. But it was super beautiful. Um, he was super happy. He was like, yo, this is the best I ever looked in my life. This is the best I ever felt in my life. Um, all of the critics were super, 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 super like, not critics, but all of the fashion people yeah, yeah. were praising him. He was. He felt handsome. He looked handsome. He, um, him and his date, um, both looked amazing on the red carpet. I felt super relieved, but I, I spoke to one of my friends, and it's like I almost get a, uh, an adrenaline high off of like making shit happen. <laughs> it was like, like it, bro. If you can perceive like the day up, so if that suit wouldn't have worked out, I don't know. I don't. There was no backup plan. You know what I mean? What? That was one of my crowning moments, um, styling for the for the for the Met Gala. That was that was. One yes. of my... There's so much we need to talk about that you've just covered in the last few minutes. Trust like, me, bro. I think first thing, yeah, is just like when you look at it from a storytelling perspective, like 
you're so right, man. Styling is, it just holistically brings everything to life. Like, it's crazy. I've never looked at it like that. And I think a lot of people just look at stylists as making other people look drippy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's mad. Like, when you talk about the story, that's so true. Um, and I, I love that sort of angle and perspective on things. But also, that put them. <laughs> Trust me, bro. Locked it in there casually. Yeah, let me just yeah, drop a little yeah. dapper Dan in the conversation just here. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a Harlem thing. Um, if anybody hasn't read or listened to the audiobook of Dapper Dan, please do so. It is phenomenal. Um, I, I own the book and I listen to the audio because it's so good. But um, Ferg was just like, he has a connection with Dap because of his father. His father was Dap, Dapper Dan's apprentice. So he came up under DAP and they have a special relationship. So when we called on DAP to make it happen, he was like, I'm definitely, he calls him, he calls us nephew. So he's definitely down to make it happen. But it was, it was, that was, even that, I forgot about, even though I said it, but just working with DAP in that capacity and we going through swatches and we talking about measurements and it was, it was, it was beautiful. Yeah. I, I just said it so casually, but yeah, he's an icon of fashion. Um, but yeah, that was, that was one of the most amazing moments of like my fashion history, working with Dap, doing a Met Gala, working with one of my favorite clients to bring something to life. And the people just went crazy. It was really, really magical, man. Really magical. And like you said, like the whole styling, people don't see, like, people don't understand it, but it's like, it comes down to like color theory, like how certain colors work on certain people and the mood of what's going on. And and it comes down to the cuts and the silhouettes. It comes down to like historical references in terms of sneakers and you know accessories and because people catch all of that now. Like people be like, oh shoot, um, Rocky had on the pearls from the Chanel campaign in 1962. Like people, people are referencing all of this stuff because now it matters. It's all about the, the details. But yeah, man. Yeah, so you're touching on it there, yeah, and um, like. It's super interesting for me to hear. Could you maybe like go into some of the intricacies of, you know, what it actually entails to be a stylist? Like you, you talked about historical references, colors. Like geek out for us, man. We yeah, love man. to get a deeper understanding. Yeah. So that's a yeah. People think that styling. Me and my friends like to say people. People look at styling and they just want to. They want to get to the end of the styling. They want to be on set with the celebrity and they want to. It's styling is that's that's like that's the end of styling to me. The, the styling is like the preparation. It's the work before that nobody sees. It's the it's the sourcing of fabrics. If you're doing something custom, it's getting with a tailor and making something come to life. Um, and you got like one or two shots. So if you get with a tailor, you got the the, the, the fabrics and stuff. And say something doesn't fit or the, the person doesn't like it. It's just like that can come into effect. So if you got custom stuff, you have actual shopping for artists. So you going into stores, like one of my, some of my favorite stores are like Openness Ceremony, Totokayo. Um, it's, it's about, it's like this whole like collective of things based on who exactly you're working with that has to come together for the end product to be amazing. So you got custom stuff, you got custom clothing, you have shopping, you have um, vintage sourcing, you have, um, you got to have an amazing assistant. I'm, I was an amazing assistant, so I recognize that. I have one now that is able to be my eyes and ears, even if I'm not there, and able to facilitate and shop and source, even if I'm not there. 
But um, like it's all about the pre-work, and it's once you get on set, it'll be all right. But all of the stuff before that, it's the fittings at 5 a.m. in the morning. It's the coming back and doing a fitting the next day. It's the it's it's so much work leading up to the finished product that people don't understand. Like when you look at stylist Instagram, when they show in there, they're in the airport and they have um 10 to 15 to 20 garment bags, not garment bags, duffel bags full of clothes. Like that's that's the work. That's the stuff that people don't see. You know what I mean? So it's it's a it's a tremendous amount of work. All my stylist friends um can attest to it. But that's what I appreciate. I appreciate the actual I I I thrive in the work. Like I love the work part, and right. it's just like, all right, cool, next. But I thrive in the work because I know nobody's gonna outwork me. So it's just like I'm gonna get all of the fabrics. I'm gonna get all of the, the samples. I'm a I'm gonna do all of that work. So people don't understand that the styling it ain't about being on set. It's all about the early work prior to mm. the mood boards too. The mood boards, the the, the style boards, the it's so much people don't yeah. so much work man. How do you how do you seek inspiration for your concepts and the you know like the, the, the places that you want to take styling? That's a great question. Um so actually I have my friend Steve O, he's like a a genius when it comes to like he has like a photo library and a source library of like everything. So if I'm working on a specific project, I'll reach out to him. If I'm like stuck, I'm like, yo, I'm working on um, this new music video. I need some, I need, I need some help. Um, so it's just not me. Like I have a, a team of people that are super amazing. Steve-O, um, Ramsha, where I'll be like, well, I'll reach out to people. Cause if you're trying to rely on your own creativity over time, it's going to get stale. It's going to get dry and it's going to get repetitive. So um, I have an amazing team of people that are able to, Keep it fresh, keep it new, keep it, keep it jiggy. But yeah, it's just like I always reference. Like people love referencing the past, but it's like how do you make it? How do you make the past futuristic? Because it's all about being futuristic at this point. Because everybody's seen everything. It's like you gotta keep it fresh, new, and innovative. How do you how do you innovate and recreate the past without making it the same? You know. But yeah, it's, it's my team that. Is really like phenomenal and making things like fresh and new. No, that's so, sick, man. Thanks for the breakdown. Yeah, for sure. That's great. So I think for me the big takeaways I've got is basically if I need a if I need a fur coat at four AM, I know now I now know who I need to hit up for that. Yes, yes, I got you, I got you. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then the second one is that all these men and these calls. They come to me every week about my style. I'm telling the storyline. So that's the line I'm going to go out with. And I just need your help to validate what I'm doing. Like, yeah, yeah, in particular, always comes for what I'm wearing. So I'm, I'm now happy that I have like, a voice so I can call on for support. In I got you, brother. Anytime, just hit me up. <laughs> I was on mute. I was on mute. What are you talking about, bro? I know you got us, yeah? But you see Steven, yeah. you're going to have to have him a lot more, bro. <laughs> 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 hey. I guess you, man. I guess you. I guess you. <laughs> 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 
this in terms of New York, I see like June first as like they're gonna start loosening up the um the quarantine um guidelines. Um that's what that's what I projected as soon as it happened, I was like it's June first. But um if it goes longer, I'm one of those people that's just gonna go with the flow. Like you can't do anything else. Um but I've thought about like if it goes past a certain time, what would be my next steps and it's just like you just gotta you gotta pivot and you gotta shift to what's what, what you guys are doing. You know what I mean? Like I I really um, commend you guys on doing this and creating this platform because look at you guys are thriving even during a during a pandemic, which is super amazing. Um, but I always had an idea of like a, a idea of a, a show, and it was called the Unsexy, and I wanted to like talk to all my like stylist friends and be like, just talk about their journey, but none of the sexy shit. Cause mm. you know, like I said, people want like that end product, like, Oh, you were on set with Kanye, but it ain't about that. It's like all this stuff, like their backstory, like interning, carrying bags and all of that stuff. So, um, that would be something that I would, um, work on in terms of pivoting, but everything was, is gonna, if, if it lasts longer, it'll be much more digital and virtual. Um, but I'll figure something out. Yeah, cool. on, yeah. on, a, on, a, on that level. No, definitely, because you, because you obviously have that like, um, what you call Harlem world, Harlem world mentality. So you're always yeah. on the Harlem hustle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. I'm I mean, yeah, like, good. Sorry, sorry, sorry to cut in. Um, I was just interested to know, yeah, like, if you kind of look at the landscape of fashion now, like a lot of. A lot of high fashion is being influenced by the streets. Um, yeah. You spoke about Dapper Dan, you look at the likes of Virgil now at, um, at Louis Vuitton, um, Samuel Ross, like there's countless examples. How do you how do you see that relationship like thriving between high fashion, streetwear, and like, where do you see it going? Um, I think it's going to continue to, I think more opportunity is going to be given to um, people of the culture because Prior to that, like high fashion would dip and dabble into different cultures, but they wouldn't give people, you know, proper credit or cultures proper credit. But now, because of social media, social media, high fashion is being um, held accountable and called out. So I think there's going to be way more opportunity for um, people of the culture to infiltrate these fashion houses. But I'm interested in seeing how, like, what happens after Louis Vuitton for Virgil. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's not going to be there forever. So what does that transition look like? Like, does he create his own? I know he has off-white, but does he create, like, a, you know what I mean? Like, what's the next? Like, yeah. even for Dapper Dan, that relationship may not last forever. So with Dapper Dan, is it him creating his own, you know, he has his own signature label outside of Gucci, or does he go to another fashion house? That's that's kind of where I'm interested in, and I think I think it's gonna get younger. Like you know, Dapper Dan is in his seventies, Virgil I think is in his forties. I think more opportunities gonna be afforded to younger um, creators because the youth kind of like run everything. Like you know, they're they're the source of inspiration for most things. So I think it's gonna get younger, and I'm interested to see how um, what what the next steps are for like people like the Virgils and the Dapper Dans. Yeah. And then uh, 
a key a key one for me is that are we gonna go back to wearing jeans? Because I don't know about you, like I'm wearing <laughs> jeans in uh, weeks. Is is that gonna influence way uh, what people are wearing? This like home comfort. Is that gonna be a thing? People working from home, so less corporate. Like, are we gonna be dressing down? Will we ever wear jeans again? These are the things that are in my mind right now. Yeah. So <laughs> there's gonna be two two ways of thought. I feel like people are either gonna dress because they weren't able to dress. Yeah. Like they're gonna be like, yo, I'm gonna get it in. Like I wasn't I had these clothes or I wanna I wanna dress now because I've been stuck in the house. Or then and there's gonna be people that's gonna be like, yo, I'm gonna be super cozy. Um for me personally, I wanna wear like sweatsuits and dope sneakers like on some like track suits, dope sneakers because I just want to be like, in my mind, I had a conversation with one of my friends and it's like, I want to, I want to go back to that like 80s, 90s, um, I hate to say it, but like drug dealer where they, they were super fresh, super clean, mm. you know what I mean? But it's like they had the freshest kicks on. Um, but I think, I think it's two frames of thought. Like, like either you're going to want to dress your ass off or you want to, you're going to want to be like, fuck this. I'm going to just be super clean and keep it moving, but be cozy. So it's like whatever, whatever's going to put you in the right frame of mind to be great is what you got to do. Because whatever, you, if that's the case, it's going to exude off you regardless. So if you're super cozy, but you're killing shit, it's like, damn, that's dope. <laughs> but if, or, or if you're like, where you want to, you know, get your, get your, get your fits off, then that's cool too. Yeah, for sure. Sick, sick, sick. Um, I've got a quick question. Sorry, guys. Last one for me. Like we've covered a lot about, um, I guess, your occupation, but I think a, a large part of what's influenced who you've become today is where you're from, right? Which is Harlem. Like, yeah. I've never been there personally. Kwame's obviously had the opportunity to be there, but what's that like? Because you know, my interpretation of Harlem is dipset, you know, like paid in full. Watching hey, all of these sick, iconic movies. Like, what was it like growing up there? Like, how, how have you seen it change? How's it shifted? And yeah, just for people who haven't had the opportunity to be there, how would you talk about Harlem, man? Um, so Harlem, growing up, I grew up on Riverside Drive, which is like on the water um, in Manhattan or in Harlem. So that was a diverse group of people. It was like, um, there was white people, it was um, Dominicans, it was black people, it was a, it was a nice um, mix. I went, to, I went to school on the east side, so elementary, high school, junior high, middle school, was all in East Harlem, which is predominantly black and Puerto Rican. But it, it was wild, like, to be honest. Like, going, going to school on the East Side, and grow, I grew up on the West Side. Like, one time I was in elementary school, and it, it, drugs was crazy. And I remember a dude trying to sell me crack. I was just like, what? and I'm a kid, backpack, tree. <laughs> I was just like, yo, this is different. So, like, yeah. even in elementary school, like, the... The, the floor would be lined like when we go play it would be lined with crack vials literally like not even figuratively like stepping on crack vials literally and like it was so crazy that if, if a kid saw a, um, a crack pipe or intravenous needle we would have to tell someone and then like they would tell everybody to get off the get off the um, playground they would pick it up like a uh, grown up would pick it up and then they would throw it away so that was like my that's how I was introduced to like drugs. And I was just like, that's why I don't, I don't do drugs now because that stuck out to me so crazy. And like, just like all the zombies and stuff that still are in Harlem now. 
it was just super, super crazy. So, um, but at the same time, it was like we had all of these amazing events and parties. Like we had, um, we had um, Grant's tomb where everybody would just come and just get super fly and put on their best outfit. We would have most hated cookouts where most hated was like a, a group of um, like what, is, coolest, was, you said what? Was um was that with like Jay Mills? Yeah, yeah, Jay yeah, Mills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm most hated that. cookouts. Most hated cookouts would have all of the girls would come out, all of the homies would come out with a. I'm talking about you would save your best outfit for this day. Damn. Um, yeah, African American Day Parade, which is in it, it starts in Harlem, ends in Harlem. You put on your best outfit trying to bag as many girls. So it was it was a great mix, and even even high school was crazy because I went to the same high school as uh, Mace Cameron. Wow, there's like legends that went there, but I went there way after them, but they would come back and play in, like, alumni games. So I would literally see Cameron playing an alumni game. Um, Mace would be in the hallways talking to, like, his old coach, coming back and talking to his old basketball coach. So, like, that Harlem heritage was really real. Like, we would wow. see Cam, Jim Jones. Jim Jones would be at, like, the basketball games, Rucker games, or um, King Dome. It was like, you would see Jim Jones, like, his leg out the car on Lennox Ave. So just, like, the rappers, Sick. the, the events. The drugs was real. Um, just like, just like being fly, um, being different, um, and you know, sports was cool. It was just a, a, it was a melting pot of different cultures, from Hispanic to black to white, and different, different vibes. It was, it was. It, I, I really appreciate growing up in Harlem because it made me so like aware of like life different cultures like like I said growing up dating Spanish girls and black girls and 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 being able to like morph into different situations because all it makes you like more open to the world because it's just you just not like even though it's the black mecca of the world it just ain't black people it's different mm. cultures different vibes we got different oh, food so sick, man. sounds dope bro honestly um, no, listen, if, if, if we ever get a chance to do an out-of-home New York workshop, we're, we're, we're definitely picking Harlem, man. <laughs> Trust me. Not a no, up, man. No, I was going to say, Christy, like, um, you know, obviously we spoke before, um, but, like, once this all situation goes over and we're back to normal life again, what do you think is the first thing that like, you would do to, like, you, you, you do to, like, celebrate? The first thing I'll do to celebrate, I I, I want to go see my mom. I, I I um, my mom's in North Carolina. It's crazy because before this whole thing happened, I bought my mom a house in North Carolina. So oh, like, well done, man. Thank yeah, you, man. Tough, that's man. that's like that's like that's the, the the Harlem the Harlem African American male dream, or like maybe that's right. the American African American. But that's like the yeah. dream because. You know, we come up in, a lot of us come up in um, single-parent homes, so it's like you want to put your mom up and make her, you know, just give her an easier life. So I got my mom a house, and before the whole quarantine happened, I'm, my birthday was March 19th, and I was supposed to go out there and just go out there for the first time. And see the, I didn't even see the house, but I just, you know, made everything happen. Wow. So I want to go see my mom and my sister, see the house, and see how they live, and that's, that's how I'm going to celebrate. Yeah. Like, once everything is, like, cleared and everybody's, like, normal, that's the way I'm gonna celebrate. Um, I haven't like I haven't hugged my mom since like like December. Maybe Damn. 
question was going to be like for anyone that was listening and wanting to get into like styling what advice would you give to your younger self um like back then what would you say now what would you say right now to your younger self <sighs> what would i say to my younger self uh i would say this don't be don't be as don't be as fearful of don't be as fearful because i used to be like I used to be, I was so scared that I, that it made me, like, good. Meaning, like, I would be so, like, I can't mess this up, that it made me, like, like do everything perfect, um, which was good, but it's just, like, just that energy may not be always, like, you know, helpful. Mm. I would definitely tell myself to be, like, less fearful and less fearful of opportunity. Like, if it messes up, you'll learn from it and you'll keep on going. But 
And then for like those people that want to get into styling, I would just tell them like to any any look at great style, whether it's in terms of like um, artists, it could be like Rihanna, it could be whoever you think has great style, and then find out who their stylist is, and then just just check on them, like look into if they have any YouTube stuff out, if they have an Instagram. Um, but just mirror yourself after them and just learn the ways. And you can even hit them up. Like, this is social media era. You can hit them up via Instagram, LinkedIn, or however, email, and just be like, yo, I want to work with you. I want to intern. People always are willing to take on, oftentimes willing to take on free free help, um, especially in this this day and age. And if you're good enough, you'll get paid eventually. Mm-hmm. Like, because they'll need you to be there. So um, that would be a word of advice. And to just create... Create your own world via like mood boards and style boards so that you not so that you can create like so that you can bring something to the table. Mm. Like my my table when I worked with Mike B was like, I'm gonna know every sneaker. Because he he wasn't really like um keen on sneakers. Like he knew about sneakers, but that wasn't his thing. My thing was like, Oh, you you got this outfit, I'm gonna bring this sneaker goes perfect with it. I know where to get it from, I know where the source, I know the colors, I know when it comes out. I know if we could get it early, blah, blah, blah. So, like, no, have something, like, that you could bring to the table when when and if you hit up, like, your favorite stylist. But it's always good to come up on the fire so that you can create those, um, create your network off of their network. That's how everybody does it in style. That's dope, man. That's dope. Well, Quiz, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. We appreciate your time. We, we appreciate it. Oh, thank you. So thank much, you, man. I appreciate you, so I appreciate you guys. <laughs> let, let me know when you drop. I think you said Monday and Tuesday, Monday, Thursday? Uh, it'll be not this Thursday, the Thursday uh-huh. after. All right, cool. Yeah, let me know when it drops so I could definitely push, promote. Yeah, uh, please uh, do, bro. Please yo, you guys, Thank you. Thank you guys are killing it. I was checking out the website. Like, <laughs> yo, keep on going. I really, really think it's really dope. Um, Definitely let me know when it comes out so I can promote, show love. No. Thank you for having me. That's all. But let no, me share my story. Appreciate it. Um, appreciate it. Thank you. And when you come to Harlem, I got you. Let yeah, me know if you want me to send some of those cookies. It's right down the block <laughs> and it's still. Yeah, seriously. Yo, this is I'll the Out of Home. This is the Out of Home podcast with your boys, Kieran, Yaf, Stephen, Kwame, and Kwesi Kessie. You're done, though. Yo, peace, peace. Love, Whee! man. Take it easy. Thank you. Thank you, my bro. No problem. Get it. Love, dog. Thank you so cool, much, bro. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, man. Bless, man. You London boys are crazy. All right, come on. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.